Hi, my name is APOC and welcome to Zion Church. Whether you're here for the first time or you're part of our church family, we want to thank you for joining us today. Our mission at Zion is to create spaces for God to dwell and for hearts to be transformed by the love of Jesus. This is why we meet in person every first and third Sunday of every month and online every second and fourth Sunday. You can find our times and locations by going to our website. We do this because we believe there is something deeply powerful when we all gather together to lift up the name of Jesus, but also when we meet at home and we break bread and we watch church with our family and church community. Right there, we are creating spaces for God to dwell. And if you're looking for a church community and you're wanting to partner with the mission of Zion, there are two ways to do so. The first one, you can join the Zion volunteer team. As we continue to engage and serve our community, both in person and online, we are needing people like you. You can join the team by going to zionchurch.live team. Second, you can partner with Zion by becoming a financial supporter. Here at Zion, we believe that our generosity is our privilege and that change happens at the speed of our generosity. We understand that God has given richly towards us, so it is our privilege to give back to Him so that we can serve others. Every dollar you sow is being used to better serve our community. You can go to zionchurch.live give to become a financial supporter. And on behalf of our entire Zion family, we want to say thank you. All right, let's get ready to hear a powerful message from God today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Zion Church. I am so happy you are joining us today. We are finalizing our main series titled Psalms, the Ultimate Worship Playlist. And as we put together this year's teaching calendar, it was clear that we have a responsibility to teach our church community about worship because worship is a central spiritual formation for every believer. Here's the deal. We don't want to just have a head knowledge or understanding of what worship is, but we want to experience what true spirit-filled worship is. It is our heart as a church that we would create spaces for God to dwell through worship that our hearts would be transformed by the love of Jesus through true spirit-filled worship. So what we wanted to do for the month of May is go through the book of Psalms and discover something unique and powerful about our God. And my prayer is that it would ultimately prompt you and I to worship God in a deeper way. You see, the book of Psalms is actually a collection of songs written by real people who were wrestling with real life problems. It's about people with real emotions, sometimes happy and sometimes sad. Why am I taking the time to give you this information? Well, this was the intent of adding the book of Psalms as one of the books in the Bible. They were collected to speak to us, to change us, to move us, to connect us, but more importantly, they were meant to bring us closer to God, and to worship God. And I pray that by the end of today's message, as we close today, that we are challenged to find a psalm that can become an anthem for our lives. One of my personal uh, favorite verses in Psalms is Psalms 2710. It says, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. 
I remember reading this verse as a young teenager, and it just hit differently. As many of you know, I grew up without a dad, so reading this verse spoke life and hope to me. It drew me closer to God and to a deeper relationship with Him. It created a space for me to worship God, and to this day is one of my anthem verses in the Bible. The book of Psalms is also a book on worship, and the word worship means to put worth or weight to something or someone. It's like when we weigh gold to determine its weight and value. The different authors of Psalms desire to do the same by showing us different aspects of our God as a way to add weight and value to our God in hopes that it would prompt us to worship God, the God of heaven and earth. So how do we do that? Well, Psalms is also a theological book. The word theology comes from the word theo, which means God, and ology, which means the study of. So as we read the songs of Psalms, we learn more about who God is. So today I want to finish this series by going to what I think is one of the most famous passages in the Bible, Psalms 23. And we're going to read the entire chapter because I want us to look at it from a lyrical standpoint because it's a song. And we are, in essence, looking at lyrics here. So Psalms 23, in the message translation, it says, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I am not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusted shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my droopy head, my cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I am back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Let me pray for today's message. God, thank you so much for this moment. God, I wholeheartedly believe that you purposely created this moment as an opportunity for us to know you more. More about you, more about your love, your peace, your grace, your character, and your heart. Holy God, remove all distractions right now. We know that life can saturate our minds, but uh, I ask for the next couple of minutes, let us lean into every word you have for us. Open our minds and our hearts and our ears to hear what you have to say. God, I get out of the way in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, like I mentioned before, Psalms 23 is probably one of the most popular chapters in the Bible. Whether you grew up in church or not, you've probably heard it. Maybe you've seen those old school frames at Grandma's house or those Hobby Lobby wall arts with Psalms 23 in it. It really is one of the most Famous passages in the whole Bible, and rightly so. Psalms 23 is an incredible passage. But but I want us to look at Psalms 23 in a deeper way. This psalm was written by a man named David. And if you don't know who David is, he is Israel's second king in the history. Some scholars believe that this psalm was written when King David was a young shepherd boy. Before he became king, hence his usage of comparing God to a shepherd who cares for us. 
But other scholars believe that King David wrote it in his adulthood during a time of great distress, during a time where he was being persecuted by Israel's first king, King Saul. And I tend to lean towards the latter because of some of the verbiage used towards the end of this chapter. But I think the reason why Psalms 23 is so popular, it's because it's so relatable. I, 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 can, I, can, I think I can speak for everyone and say that we have all felt at some point like David did in Psalms 23. Where like David, we felt like you're, you, you know, we're being persecuted by the troubles of life and the thoughts in our mind. And we find ourselves running and hiding in fear, worry, and anxiety. Anybody ever felt like you're going through hell? Anybody going through hell right now? Well, King David was going through one of the most difficult moments in his life. And he got to a point in his life where he encountered God and found refuge and strength in him. As he begins to write the words found in Psalms 23, he reverts to what he knew growing up and writes this beautiful song comparing God to a shepherd. You see, before becoming king, David was a simple shepherd boy. And just like a shepherd guides and protects the sheep that are under its care, he understood that God is him who guides us and protects us. So with this context, I want to share five things that when we worship God, God's presence does in our lives. The first thing that God's presence does is that God's presence revives us. Verse 1 says, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. As I look at the imagery of these words, I can't help but to connect it to the life of someone training for something like an Ironman. In fact, one of our board members here at Zion, Zach, many of y'all know him, recently completed the Ironman. And the Ironman includes swimming about 2.5 miles, followed by 112 miles of cycling, and ending it with a full running marathon of 26.9 miles. Y'all, that sounds absolutely excruciating. He was telling me that finishing the Ironman was probably one of the hardest things he has ever done in his life because it goes beyond the physical strength. For those that know Zach, y'all know he's an extremely fit guy, an athlete, an avid runner. In fact, he's the one that got me into running and is my running mentor. He says that it's not just a physical, but it's a huge mental game too. And as he shared his Ironman experience, he talked about how he felt like quitting so many times. So many times he felt like he wasn't going to finish, but he, he just kept going. And he got to the finish line and Zach, we're, we're so proud of you, bro. But here's the thing, just like Zach planned and prepared for this Ironman event, Zach also planned and prepared for his recovery. He spent the following week going to different spas and, and just body recovering places because of the strain his body went through. These recoveries are so vital as an athlete because they restore our bodies and allow us to go at it again, go back into training. Now, I want us to think about what King David's scenario was. He was being chased and threatened. He was being talked about and defamed. He was running and fighting many battles. 
As he begins to write verse 1 and 2, I can't imagine the pain and agony and tiredness that he was going through. So now let's look at verse 1 and 2 again. It says, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down a lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. I I want you to hear me today. God is all you need when you're absolutely crushed and tired from the long road called life. And let me ask you this today. Where are you running to when life gets hard? What, from what well are you drinking from? Where are you going to, to recover when your mind and your soul and your body are completely depleted? When we worship God, God's presence invades every single inch of our lives and breathes life into us and it revives us. And I believe some of you are hearing me today and you find yourself completely and utterly exhausted. Uh, you're trying different things and vices to cope, but nothing is going to work because you were designed to drink from the well of life that is found in Jesus. The second thing that the presence of God does is that God's presence gives us peace. Verse 3 says, true to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. When we are at peace, we are able to slow down. Anybody ever feel like you're just running through life where you can't seem to catch your breath? It's like, it's a horrible feeling, right? I I love what the the same David says in Psalms 46.10. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations I will be exalted in the earth. When we pause to worship God, the peace of God enters, the peace that surpasses all understanding, and we can be still and just know, know that God is in control, that God's got our back, that he is working on our behalf. Let me ask you, do you believe that? Do you believe that God has your back? Because I gotta be honest, sometimes, And if I can be really honest, a lot of the times I struggle to believe that. Lately, I've been wrestling with this statement. Nothing proves we trust God like when we pause to rest. Some of us can't experience peace because we cannot rest. And and we cannot rest because deep down, if we're being honest, we have a hard time trusting God. But worship Worship is so powerful because worship requires us to pause. That's why worship isn't just singing cool songs. In a lot of ways, we worship God the most when we pause and rest. We worship God when we pause from the addiction of producing so that we can rest. And that's why one of our values as a church community is rest. We value rest. MJ and I have experienced the value of resting because it gives us the opportunity to worship God and worship reminds us that God is God and we are not. That we are not what we do and that God can be trusted. It reminds us that Jesus is now our Sabbath and our rest. And every time we worship Jesus, we can enter God's holy rest. Number three, God's presence protects us. 
Verse 4 says, Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I am not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. This point is so important to you because I don't know about you, but it's easy to get hurt when we go through dark times. The Apostle Paul writes in his letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verse 7, he says, And the peace of God, I just mentioned it, that surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. A lot of the Apostles' letters were written from a jail cell as he was being unjustly imprisoned and tortured. But even though his body was being damaged, they could not touch his heart. When the Holy Spirit is near, our darkest moments will make us better and not bitter. Many of you listening today have a story of being hurt or betrayed by someone you love in the last two years. And can I be honest with you? The last two years were so hard on my family and me. There were things that were sad that really hurt us. Many misunderstandings that led to assumptions about us. But I'm so grateful for the presence of God because God met us in our darkest moment during the last two years. God entered our our world and began to slowly heal our hearts to a point where we can now look back and now we pray blessings over people that maybe wronged us. Come on, guys. This is life, y'all. Life is hard. Life is painful. And the presence of God is here to protect you and I. And I want to speak over someone who feels like you've been going through the valley of the shadow of death. You're, you're, you're not alone. God is so near. And I've come to tell you today in the name of Jesus that the presence of God is here today and he is here to protect you because even when the way goes through Death Valley, I am not afraid when you walk at my side. God is near, y'all. God is near. Number four, God's presence affirms us. Verse five says, you serve me a six course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my droopy head, my cup brims with blessing. As I studied the context and culture that David lived in, as he writes verse 5, you see, inviting someone over for dinner or attending someone's dinner party during this time meant a public affirmation of your association with that person. Whether you were the person inviting or the one being invited, A lot of your reputation was riding on that decision. As I look at verse 5, through the lens of the gospel, we are reminded that when we worship God, God affirms us when Satan comes and tries to accuse us. You see, God put his reputation on the line when he sent Jesus. Every day our accuser, Satan, is before God and making his case why you and I don't deserve God's love and favor. Why we don't deserve his grace and every day God is setting a table for you and I. And he is saying, that's my boy. That's my girl. These are my people. I love them. I am for them. I am with them. And there is nothing you can present to me, Satan, that can make me not love them. Because when I look at them, I don't see their mistakes. 
All I see is the blood of Jesus running through their veins. They belong to me. Come on, somebody. As I was preparing for the sermon and looking at verse 5, God told me that many of you see yourselves as servers preparing the table for others because you feel so unworthy. And God spoke to me so strongly about this thought last week at my pastor's retreat in Wyoming that whether you're worthy or not is completely irrelevant. I want you to hear me. Whether you're worthy or not is completely irrelevant. Many of us are walking this Christian journey with hopes that one day we will pay this debt. We feel hanging over us. God didn't place that there. It, it isn't a holy feeling. The enemy is fooling you and I into thinking we need to deserve this. But please hear me out. As a father of two beautiful girls, there is nothing my girls need to do to deserve to live and enjoy the benefits that are found in my home for them. It's irrelevant whether they deserve them or not because they're my kids. What's mine is theirs. And I want to tell someone today that you are a child of God and it's time that you stop trying to prove your worth and receive God's affirmation about you that was declared to the devil in all of darkness on the cross of Calvary. God is preparing a table before your enemies and he is saying, that's my boy, that's my girl, that's my family. I love them. Our last one, number five, is God's presence is our true north. Verse six says, your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I am back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. If, if you've ever gone on a work trip, you know the blessing of coming back home and laying down on your bed again. Y'all, the blessing is so real. After being out for so long, all you want to do is be home in your PJs and comfy sofa and bed. As David finishes Psalms 23, he declares, I'm back home. God's presence is the very thing that centers him, his true north. It's his home. In a season of running and hiding, I'm sure David had felt so displaced, but God was the one who reminded David that of what, what matters most. You know, when we worship God, God's love centers our heart. And I wholeheartedly believe that it's God's love that has the ability of making us feel home. And it points us to our true north. You know what I'm talking about? It's so easy to lose sight of what life is about, what matters most. To, to go through the motions of life and forget why we were created. Uh, uh, going from meeting to meeting, from soccer practice to ballet practice, from one PTA meeting to another, from one deadline at work to another. My friend, we were created by God, for God. And worship centers us and reminds us of this powerful truth. God is our home. God is the one that when we worship, He centers us and we, we begin to see clearly. Not that, uh, not that we were going through life blindly, but that we can finally see with focus. God gifts us with the art of being present when we enter true spirit-filled worship. 
Nothing else matters because we understand that if we have God, then we have it all. Can I pray for you today? I sense some of you have been feeling lost. You feel displaced. You're surrounded by so many loved ones. Life is going good. You're making good money, but something is off. You feel uneasy. And I believe it's because you've lost sight of what's true. God is calling you home, my friend. There is nothing like feeling um, of being home in God's presence is our home, our true north. But I believe the Holy Spirit is calling us to a deeper place of worship. Jesus said, but the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. Let me pray for you. Dear God, thank you for speaking so clearly to us today. You are calling us into a deeper place of worship, a place where we can know you more. As people begin to pray, God, I pray that you would revive them. Revive the things that have been dormant. Revive the dead dreams and visions inside of them. God, I pray that you will, uh, that they will find peace. Many people today have been running through life and they are tired. God, give them rest. Let them catch their breath right now in the name of Jesus. As people pray, I pray that, uh, that you would be their protection. Remind us that it is you, God, who fights our battles. God, for those that are feeling like they, they don't belong, like they're not worthy, God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that they would hear and receive your affirmation. Just like you affirm Jesus in his baptism, I pray someone today would hear your say, the same word spoken over them. This is my son. This is my daughter, who I am well pleased And God, I pray that you would remind us today that Jesus is our true north. He is our home. That nothing in this world can can center us. That whatever we've been trying to do to fill that void would be removed. And as we worship right now, we would fix our eyes on Jesus. God, we praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. As you keep praying today, there may be some of you who recognize you've been far away from home. You recognize that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And I want to give someone who has never given their life to Jesus to do it today. Maybe you've heard about Jesus, but you don't follow him. And there's something inside of you right now that is nudging you. I believe it's the Holy Spirit. God wants to use your story, your life right now to make a difference. And it all starts by asking Jesus to come into your heart. If that's you, and you're saying, yes, I need that grace. Can I pray for you? Can you pray this with me? Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Forgive all my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you. My life is not my own. God, I give it to you. Thank you for new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody, celebrate big today. Somebody worship God for new life in Christ. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, or if you have a testimony to share about today's message, 
I would love to hear. Email us at info at zionchurch.life. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you. God bless you. And let's keep creating spaces for God to dwell.